a cake imported from Serbia, a wine that only a saint allows, and dragons without any games or thrones. This week, we're in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. A little bit later on, we'll be talking to author and podcaster Rick Kempfer about Ljubljana, Slovenia. Tiny Slovenia is shoehorned between its much more popular neighbors, Italy and Croatia. But here, there's no tourists flocking to Game of Thrones sites like in Dubrovnik and no opera singing gondoliers like in nearby Venice. Instead, here you can enjoy a castle with a meal of authentic Slovenian food, cafe culture along the river, and natural beauty at nearby Lake Bled. But for now, I'm starving, so let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. The peninsula of Istria is divided between Croatia and Slovenia, and I talk about Croatian Istria in episode one of the podcast, available at radiomisfits.com. And for more on Ljubljana and Slovenia, check out Destination Eat Drink. There's lots more things to eat, places to drink, and cool things to do in this underrated region of Europe. Just click on Slovenia and Ljubljana. Slovenia is right next to Italy. In fact, Trieste is only a one-hour drive, and you can get to Venice in just about three hours. There is a summer shuttle that will take you on a boat to Venice as well, if that's more your style. Italian food is easy to find everywhere, especially in the cafes along the Ljubljanska River. But we're in Ljubljana, and we want Slovenian food. A lot of Slovene dishes are hot, hearty, and filling, like the local stews, Yoda and Ricet. Yoda is popular all over Slovenia and nearby Italy and Croatia. And if you go into the Slovene part of Istria, less than an hour from Ljubljana, Yoda is often served with polenta, which just shows that Italian influence again. Yoda is made with beans, sauerkraut, potatoes, and bacon or ribs. And you can expect your Yoda to have plenty of garlic. Zabornica is a great place to get a bowl of Yoda. Ricet is similar, except that instead of sauerkraut, they have barley. Other veggies like carrots, leeks, and or onions are also in the Ricet, along with lots and lots of cured pork. Now, Ricette doesn't have the greatest reputation in Ljubljana, and that's probably because of its past. Back in the day... It used to be made with low-quality ingredients, especially bad pork, and it made for a very greasy dish. It was also usually served to prisoners, so most people really didn't like Ricette and would turn their noses up to it. But today, it's a completely different story. Ricette is made with fresh, high-quality ingredients. Zabronica, or at the sausage restaurant Klobisarna, are two good places in Ljubljana to get Ricette. And if all this sounds like a lot of meat to you, there are lots of vegetarian options in Ljubljana as well. Klobis Arna makes a lot of Slovenian comfort dishes without the dead animals. So this is the place to go to get vegan Yoda and Ricette. For dessert, there are two great dishes in Slovenia. 
strukli and kremschnita. Strukli is a pastry whose history dates back almost 450 years in Slovenia. It's usually made with wheat or buckwheat flour, and traditionally, strukli were filled with cottage cheese, fruit, or nuts, and only made on holidays. But today, that's all changed. You can find strukli any time of year, and the fillings range from sweet, like chocolate hazelnut, to savory, like carrots and meat. One of the best places to get strukli is at Moji Strukli in the Central Market. They make over 20 kinds of strukli, so you can get several different flavors and share them with your friends. Kind of like sharing a box of donuts with your coworkers, except in this case, no one gets stuck with the plain cake one. Kremšnita is the other iconic Slovenian dessert. Kremšnita originally came to Slovenia via Serbia in 1953 when both Serbia and Slovenia were part of Yugoslavia. A baker came to the Park Hotel in Bled, Slovenia from Serbia and brought with them the recipe for Kremšnita. Since then, the Park Hotel in Bled, Slovenia has sold over 10 million slices of this famous cake. And Lake Bled makes a great day trip from Ljubljana, and the Park Hotel still serves their tasty Kremšnita. But you can also find Kremšnita in just about any bakery in Ljubljana. So what exactly is Kremšnita? Well, it's a chantilly and custard cake with a puff pastry base, light and creamy and decadent with powdered sugar on the top. And speaking of the central market where you can get those great strukli, it's an open air market set up along the riverfront, and it's one of the best outdoor markets in all of Europe. Vendors here don't just sell food and produce, they sell everything from fruits and vegetables to shoes, to condiments, to honey. And honey is extraordinarily popular in Slovenia. Beekeepers paint their hives with bright colors which they think helps the bees find their way back home after a long day of nectar collecting. You'll see dozens of vendors at the central market selling local honey, and most will be happy to let you try a sample. And since everyone in Slovenia studies English in school, the language barrier is rarely a problem. My favorite thing to do is buy a few jars of the honey and take it in our carry-on bags as a nice souvenir of the trip. A lot of the vendors in the central market will have these tiny jars with different flavors of honey. Yes, honey has different flavors, ranging from light to dark amber. And if you get several different varieties, it makes for a wonderful gift or something that you can just take home and enjoy for yourself. But remember, if you put these jars in your bag, if it goes on your carry-on, they must be three ounces or less. And Pack them well. A broken jar of honey is just about the worst thing you can come home to. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Get the Destination Eat Drink podcast delivered to your phone or computer automatically by subscribing at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or at radiomisfits.com. Slovenian wine isn't well known outside of the country, and that's too bad because there are some very good wines here. Some varieties you've undoubtedly heard of, like Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot, but there's other varieties of Slovenian wine that you probably haven't heard of before, like Turan or Rafosko. 
One of the most respected wineries in Slovenia is Movia. They're in the Brida Hills region of western Slovenia, where a lot of wine grapes are grown. It's near the Italian border. But you don't have to travel to the vineyard to try their wines. They have a fantastic wine bar and shop, and it's right inside the Ljubljana City Hall building. And the prices at the bar are right. Glasses of their high-quality wine range from 3.5 to 6 euros. What a bargain. We happen to be in Ljubljana around St. Martin's Day, a feast day held on November 11th for St. Martin, a Roman soldier who cut his cloak in half to clothe a beggar. St. Martin's Day is celebrated in different ways all over Europe. In Germany, bonfires are lit, while in Malta, children are given St. Martin's bag filled with nuts and dried fruit. But in Slovenia, St. Martin's Day marks the day when must officially becomes wine. Before November 11th, the must is thought to be impure. But on November 11th, the liquid magically becomes wine and people celebrate by drinking it. We were in Slovenia walking home one night to our hotel in Ljubljana on November 10th when we ducked into a small cafe for a hot chocolate and a piece of kremsnita. Inside, the bar was decorated with huge antique armoires, dressers, and hutches draped with lace and stacked with mismatching antique plates. A few locals were sitting at the bar and around a few tables. The young lady tending bar took our order, and when she returned, I asked her about the signs that we saw all over Ljubljana that day saying St. Martin's Day. She explained the tradition of the must turning to wine, and I noted that it was now almost midnight, very close to officially being St. Martin's Day. I jokingly said she should serve up some of the new wine since it's so close to November 11th. She disappeared downstairs, came back up, and to my surprise, had a couple of bottles in her hand. She swore us to secrecy, and we drank the wine, even though it wasn't quite midnight. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. Have a question or a comment about Destination Eat Drink? Find me on Facebook or Instagram at Destination Eat Drink, on Twitter at Eat Destination, or by clicking the contact tab at DestinationEatDrink.com. I'm Brent Peterson. A little bit later in the podcast, we'll be talking to podcaster and author Rick Kempfer about Ljubljana. Game of Thrones fans are flocking to nearby Croatia to see filming locations of the wildly popular HBO show. But Ljubljana has something better, a dragon guarding a bridge. Legend has it that Jason, of Jason and the Argonauts fame, stole the golden fleece from a dragon. Later, he traveled up the Ljubljanic River where he came upon another dragon. Wanting to build a settlement free of the dragon menace, Jason tried to kill the dragon, but his sword couldn't penetrate the beast's leathery skin. So he put the dragon to sleep, bound his mouth with chains, and filled the monster's nostrils with the bones of his victims. When the dragon awoke, he flew into the sky in a rage of confusion, trying to spout flames from his mouth and nose, but only managing wisps of smoke. His mouth had been clamped shut, his nose had been filled with bones, so he couldn't breathe. 
The fire inside the dragon, unable to escape, eventually engulfed him, causing the flying lizard to explode in the sky. Today, four dragon sculptures guard the so-called Dragon Bridge in Ljubljana, and that bridge has become an icon of the city. And while this story about Jason is a real fun one, there's a modern myth associated with the bridge as well. It says that if a virgin ever crosses the bridge, the dragon will wag its tail. I did several hours of exhaustive research and never once saw the dragon wag their tail. So draw your own conclusions. Less than 500 yards down the river is another famous bridge called the Triple Bridge, created by local son Jose Plechnik. Jose added two bridges to an existing bridge to make the three quirky transports over the river. He also designed several buildings in the city as well as the Central Market, which is right between the Dragon Bridge and the Triple Bridge. If you're into architecture, Plechnik's house is a museum dedicated to the designer. The Ljubljana Castle is one of the city's most recognizable landmarks. There's even an image of the castle on the flag of the city, and like all good castles, Ljubljana Castle occupies the highest ground on the city. You can walk there, but the best way to get up to the top of the hill is to take a funicular up the hillside. You've probably heard of the house that Jack built. Well, to me, Ljubljana Castle is the castle that Jack built. That's because a good portion of the castle was built in the 15th century with additions in the 16th and the 17th. And the castle was left to waste away for decades until the communist era when the Yugoslavs added some ugly Soviet-style structures. The castle ends up being part Swiss chalet, part medieval tower, part gulag. That's the Ljubljana Castle. Normally, my advice is to avoid restaurants near major tourist attractions. I'm looking directly at you, Rome. But in this case, there's a superb restaurant right in the castle's courtyard. Castilla Inya Gradu is one of the best restaurants in Ljubljana with surprisingly reasonable prices considering the location. They serve all kinds of traditional Slovenian food, including, of course, strukli. A short walk from the Dragon Bridge and Central Market is the alternative artist and living community, Metal Kova. When the Yugoslav army lost the Balkan War and Slovenia became independent in the early 90s, the army barracks at Metal Kova was abandoned, and squatters and artists soon established a residence which the local government unsuccessfully tried to tear down. Today, Metalkova is an autonomous cultural center and has been designated as a cultural heritage location, which should mean that it'll be preserved from now on. Alternative art installations and weed sales dominate the self-described independent city, and at night, ad hoc outdoor clubs selling illegal booze spring up. Some residents frown on the taking of pictures in Metalkova, but others allow it. You should ask permission first before taking anyone's photo. Also, with the lack of police presence, there have been some reports that harder drugs have started making their way into Metalkova, and some tourists have said they felt uneasy or even threatened. But judge for yourself and act respectfully, just as you would in anybody's home. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. 
I like talking about and writing about food and beverages that I have around the world. But when I'm not doing that, I write fiction. Check out my foodie novel, Truffle Hunt, and That Bird, my collection of short stories at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the Contact and Books tab. Ljubljana's airport is small and doesn't have any direct flights to North America, but you can get to Ljubljana by a connection at many European capitals like London, Paris, and Amsterdam. My advice is to make Slovenia part of a trip with neighboring Croatia. Trains and buses go from Croatia's capital to Ljubljana regularly. But if you're in Istria visiting Croatia, you want to take the bus. The train will take you all the way back to Zagreb before heading into Slovenia. It's quite a roundabout way of getting there. Uber and Lyft don't currently operate in Slovenia, although they're trying to get the service there. Taxis aren't cheap, but drivers are generally honest. That said, you should avoid the taxis parked in front of the train and bus station as they aren't normally regulated, and calling a taxi company will almost always get you a better rate. There's good bus service in Ljubljana, and since the city is so small, Biking is another good option. Bike lanes are everywhere. All the locals ride bikes, and it's easy to rent a bike. Boat tours operate up and down the river. They're good for sightseeing and run less than 10 bucks for a half-hour ride. There's lots of restaurants, cafes, and clubs along the riverfront. Some of them are below street level, built into the walls that keep the river from flooding the city. One of my favorite things to do in Ljubljana is visit several of these places, enjoy a cocktail or appetizer in each one, just a short visit, and then move on to the next one. Nightlife is vibrant in Ljubljana. You won't need a car if you stay in Ljubljana, but you might want one if you have a day trip out of the city. Slovenia has a small coastline along the Adriatic, and Peran is nice to visit, but the best spot for a day trip from Ljubljana is Lake Bled. It's just a 90-minute drive from Ljubljana, and Lake Bled has spectacular mountain scenery of the Julian Alps to go along with the lake that has a charming church on a tiny island. Take a small, non-motorized boat out to the island, climb the 99 steps to get to the church. Legend has it that if a groom carries his wife up the 99 steps, they will have a happy marriage. For even more cardio, climb the additional 92 steps up the bell tower, ring the wishing bell, and make a wish. If all this sounds rather touristy, well, it is. It's one of the top tourist sites in Slovenia, so it can get busy. But the charm of the lake and the church more than make up for the crowds you might encounter. If you don't want to rent a car, taking a bus is a good option. It takes about an hour and a half, and the bus station stops right by the lake. For something more off the beaten path, the Triglav National Park has lakes, waterfalls, and mountains just waiting to be explored. For real outdoorsy people, there are mountain huts you can rent if your trek to Triglav covers several days. Destination, eat, drink. My guest this week is Rick Kempfer. Rick is a writer who has written seven books, including the great new book, Every Cub Ever, available at EckhartsPress.com. Rick is also a publisher a podcaster, and a prolific blogger. Rick, welcome to Destination Eat Drink. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Brent. Sure thing, Rick. Before we get started and talk about Ljubljana, Slovenia, let's talk about your book, because I love this book, first of all. Uh, it's, it's great, and it's getting a lot of attention. It's called Every Cub Ever. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah, Every Cub Ever is uh, about what you think it's about. It's about literally every cub who ever played uh, Chicago Cubs. We're talking baseball. And uh, I started writing it about 10 years ago, and I finished it uh, a few months ago, and I thought, you know what? Here we go. I'm going to put it out there. And I really didn't think much of it. I didn't think it was going to do much, but it is exploding. I mean, I was talking to my co-publisher yesterday, and we're having a hard time keeping, uh, keeping it in stock. So, so we've tapped into something there. That's fantastic. You know, and I've seen you've gotten uh, folks from the Cubs themselves have been interested in this, the broadcasters, and even the owner of the Cubs uh, has his own copy of it. Talk about meeting the owner of the Cubs. So we were at a game uh, a few, I guess about three, four weeks ago, right when the book came out. And the owner knew about the book because he had been told about it. And he knew that I was a season ticket holder and he found my seats he came over to my seats and invited me and, and my co-publisher, Dave Stern, to sit with him at the game. And we did. We sat with him at the game. We talked about the book. We talked about baseball. We talked about, you know, life in general and had just the, mo- the most uh, incredible time. You know, you're kind of downplaying it a little bit. But you, <laughs> when you say you sat with him, you sat in the owner's box. I, I sat in the first row right behind the Cubs uh, uh, on-deck circle. I mean, I, I could reach out and touch Anthony Rizzo if there wasn't a, a big screen up there, you know, the, <laughs> the, the netting. Um, and, and they kept looking over at the owner. You know, those guys that get up to bat, you know, they're thinking, geez, I'm making $17 million a year or whatever, and they look over at the owner, that's the guy who's paying my paycheck. I better get a hit. I better do well for the boss. That's right. One other thing I want to bring up about this book, because I just think it's so funny. So the book contains biographies of literally everybody who's ever played for the Chicago Cubs going back a hundred some odd years. And every time I see you do an interview, some guy, and it's always a man, it's never a woman who does this, but they always say, every Cub ever, are you sure it's every Cub ever? (laughs) Did you include... XYZ person or ABC person. And it's like, I always laugh because I always say, it's called every cub ever. Every, everybody's in there. Well, I have to admit, every time somebody says it to me, I start thinking, oh, <laughs> you know, because I mean, I went through the list. Uh, the Cubs have a list on their website and baseball reference has a list. And, you know, there's, there's a million lists out there. And I went through all of them over and over and over again just to make sure I didn't I didn't miss anybody because it's a very bold claim you know every cub ever that's a bold claim you better not screw it up and so hopefully I have not and so you're nervous that someday someone's going to uncover you know Johnny Two Shoes who uh (laughs) exactly Johnny Two Shoes he never played for the cub yes he did he played one game in 1922 Oh, that's great. So uh, every cub ever, you can get it at cartspress.com. And I rec- I bought a copy. I love it. Uh, I recommend everyone get this book. Oh, well, thank you, Brent. I appreciate it. So let's talk about uh, travel because you are actually quite well-traveled. You grew up in Germany 
And I bring that up because in Slovenia, Slovenia is not a well-known country in Europe. It's kind of, it was part of the uh, former Yugoslavia, of course, but it's kind of horseshoed in between uh, Austria, Croatia, and Italy. And I always focus um, incorrectly on the Italian aspect of Slovenian and Croatian culture. But you being a person who grew up in Germany, who speaks German, did you find there was a lot of German influence in Ljubljana and Slovenia? Absolutely. As a, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, I think that uh, Slovenia is the most German of the uh, of the former Yugoslavian uh, provinces. It is uh, the architecture is more German. The uh, the people have more. Um, similarities to the Germans, at least where we were, you know, in, in uh, Ljubljana, uh, which I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> which, but, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the history of it, there's a lot of Germanic uh, moments in, in the history of this country. And, and I also thought that the uh, downtown areas looked more like Austria than they looked like Italy or looked like Croatia. I I agree with you. And sometimes I get fixated on food and there is a certain Italian aspect to some of the food in Ljubljana, but you bring up the architecture and because it's near the Alps, the Julian Alps, you have sort of that Alpine architecture feel to it. Ljubljana is fairly high up, you know, you can get snow up there and whatnot. So uh, that's Uh a good point. The Alpine architecture. What about the people themselves? You always, I, I mentioned you have a podcast uh, called Minutia Men. It's a great, I listen to it every week. And that podcast, you often bring up your German heritage and you make fun of the stereotype of German people uh, being reserved or whatnot. How did you find the Slovenian people, the people in Ljubljana? I thought they had a lot of similarities to the Germans. Uh, uh, They were reserved, but you know, the thing about the Germans is Germans like to party. (laughs) <laughs> and and the Slovenians do too, as it turns out. Now uh, we were there a couple of nights, and and uh, you know went out into into the wee hours of the morning. So the thing I remember about Ljubljana and Slovenia is the wine culture. But if I know anything about you, Rick, and I follow you on Facebook, <laughs> uh, you enjoy an occasional uh, glass of beer. Did, I do. Did you uh, did you enjoy some suds while you were in Ljubljana? I did. The, the, I always sample the local beers, uh, always. And, and as I mentioned, you know, this, because Slovenians have some, some German qualities to them, uh, they must have good beer, right? And they do. There's a, there was a brand called Lashko that I was drinking the whole time I was there. Fantastic. Very smooth, excellent lager. A lager. Okay, great. Lager, yes. And what kind of bars and places did you go to when you were uh, whiling the evenings away with a glass of, of a lager from Slovenia? Well, you know, I'm a big dancer. Right. <laughs> so I was looking for, you know, the, uh, the dance clubs. The discos. Uh, yes, the discos. No, actually, we had a little, uh, we had this little tavern right around the corner from where we were staying in the old uh, part of town. And there were, you know, like old locals there, these, you know, grizzled. Seventy-year-old uh, guys, and then there were young, uh, you know, twenty-somethings there with tattoos all over their bodies, and and we would just go there and sit down and chat with them, and and you know everyone there speaks English. I mean everybody speaks English, 
So we were getting along fine with all of them. Yes, yeah, Slovenia is a small country. One thing that it has, and this came up when I was talking to the Slovenes, was they have universal education for anyone who wants it for free through college. And right. because of that, um, they all speak English. And because Slovenia is a small country, they they know that they have to have to speak English. I, I, I hesitate to say have to, but they know that in order to be a part of the greater world, they need to speak other languages because the Slovenian language isn't widely known. So you go into Slovenia and really there is very little language barrier. Occasionally you'll run into an older person who doesn't speak English, but for the most part, everyone speaks English in uh, Slovenia and Ljubljana. The people that I talk to put it this way, you know, there, there are only 3 million people in the world that speak, speak the Slovenian language. So you've got to, you have to, uh, you know, learn other languages. And so they, most of them, almost all of them speak English and the ones that don't speak German. So I was golden. So you were set. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, what about dining in Slovenia? You mentioned the German influence. What kind of German food did you eat while you were in Slovenia? Well, I did have, there was a cabbage soup that really reminded me of my mother, <clears throat> my mother's cooking. But we, we did something really cool. We went on a eating and walking tour. Uh, and they took us to like seven different restaurants and, and sampled all the wine. The wine was, was fantastic. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Really enjoyed the wine. I like meat. Right. And the Slovenians like meat. Yes. And there, there were many different types. And it was like alpine kind of food. Like, um, we went to this tapas place. Um, in fact, it was called Tabar. I believe it was called Tabar. And they served us eight different kinds of salami, which, you know, salami, salami, beer, coffee. Now you've got my whole, that's my whole diet right there. <laughs> all, all of the food groups. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they gave me like reindeer salami and bear salami and elk salami. And it, it was delicious. Fantastic. Whatever animal happens to be roaming through their backyard, apparently they make salami out of. Exactly. Exactly. And the, oh, and I wanted to say, uh, you talked about these food tours. This is getting very popular in just about any city you go to. And that's one of the first things when I travel, one of the first things I look up is who's doing a food tour or a drink tour and latch on to that because you'll never learn anything more about a city than going out and eating and drinking with uh, the locals and figuring out what they're into. And, and why else go on vacation? You right. Know, I Eating and drinking is why I go on vacation, you know. And, You're not and, going to go on your diet. No, and I don't want to, I'm not going to a Slovenia to sample the Burger King. You know what I mean? Right. I want to hear, I want to see what they've got. And and I, this is the first time I ever went on one of these tours, and I'm going to start doing it everywhere because I agree with you. It's a fantastic way to see a city. You know, in in some places, it's a lot more expensive to do. In some places, it's cheaper. I I haven't done the one in Ljubljana. We did did a walking tour through the uh, downtown commission, and they took us to the farmer's market, that central market there that's along the river. And we were sampling all kinds of fruit and honey and all kinds of great stuff. Did you make it to that central market along the river? Yes, that was part of the tour. Um, uh, going to that market, which was fantastic. In fact, the cabbage soup that I was talking about, I had in a little restaurant, which was in that building uh, right outside the marketplace. Um, but the the, uh, the the woman who was giving us the tour, 
uh, she was just fantastic. She was, she lived in Canada for a while. She was very, uh, Americanized, if you will. So she, she knew where to take us and what, you know, what to point out the things that we hadn't seen, things that we would never know about. And so I, you know, I recommend it. It was only 65 euro a person too. Yeah. I mean, that's a deal for, and, and when you go on these tours, generally I found, you know, go up with an empty stomach because they say, they'll tell you in the brochure or whatever or online, they'll say something like, we'll be sampling from five or six different restaurants. Well, they say sampling, but when you're done with these tours, you are full, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I needed to be rolled home. <laughs> it's like skip breakfast and you won't need dinner. And go on the food tour and 65 euro, that's a deal, man. You would spend that in a, in a restaurant anyway. The only thing I didn't like on that tour, um, and, you know, I love, I love wine and I love beer. But they, they gave us this orange wine, which, did you, did you try that when you no, were there? No, no, tell me more. So orange wine is kind of like in between uh, white and, and red. It's made with, uh, it's like made with, it's white wine with that they leave the uh the outside on uh what do you call it the, the, uh, skin. the skin they leave the skin on it um so it's supposed to taste a little bit like white wine but it, it actually is uh I, I you know it had like a bad aftertaste to me and too too much uh and it was too strong too strong of a flavor <laughs> I, I didn't like it and, you know and, I, and i'm pretty open when it comes to alcoholic beverages of any kind, uh, right. just in general, <laughs> so, it's a you know lifelong problem. Uh, but I didn't. I don't recommend. I just don't recommend the orange wine. You mentioned twice the cabbage stew. I think what you're talking about is called Yota. It's spelled J O T A, but it's pronounced yes. Yota. Is that what you had? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a very famous dish in Ljubljana and Slovenia, and it is really delicious. Oh, it's fantastic! I loved it. Now, it wasn't, I think, the best way to start a meal of, you know, eating all day long because it kind of filled me up right away. Um, but I managed. I, I, I powered through. <laughs> Always the trooper, Kempfer. I, I was. It was a, very much like being in military service. <laughs> so were there any specific, besides the food tour, were there any specific restaurants that you went to that you really enjoyed in Ljubljana? Well, the thing is, this food tour took us to seven different restaurants, and and the seventh one uh, was this tapas place, and that's where we went. You know, we kept going back to that place because it had, you know, seventy different things on the menu, and you just never ran out. And it was a perfect place to sample little things. And it was, you know, it wasn't a Spanish tapas place; it was a Slovenian tapas place. All of the dishes were Slovenian. Do you happen to remember the name of that place? It was called Tabar, T-A-B-A-R. Right. I think you said that already. Okay, cool. So we're going to put that in our show notes because if people go to Ljubljana, they should definitely check out Tabar. Definitely. Any, any tips or other advice you'd give to anyone who's thinking about traveling to Slovenia or Ljubljana? Bring an umbrella. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is true. It is, it is damp. In fact, the flag of Ljubljana has this white in it. And it's supposed to represent the cloud cover that's always over the city. And I, I said, well, why is it white? It should be gray because it always seems like it's gray. Were you the one that told me the, the myth of the uh, of the Dragon Bridge? Yes. Yes. So, so uh, the myth is apparently if a virgin walks by the Dragon Bridge, the dragon will wave its tail. Right. 
Right. So, so, uh, so, so did the uh, <laughs> dragon wave its tail when you walked by? No, it did not. <laughs> we, we had just seen the finale of game of Thrones the day before we left. So, uh, you know, everyone wanted to take a picture with the dragon. So that's, you know, that's a little, that's our, uh, uh, touristy American moment. Uh, that day in Ljubljana. And again, I can't pronounce it. Ljubljana. <laughs> Ljubljana. So, yeah. yeah, so that's the thing. This Game of Thrones show, and I, I haven't watched the show. I don't know much about it other than I do know some of the places where Game of Thrones was filmed have become tourist uh, tourist places to go. Malta, which I loved, has become a tourist hotspot because of Game of Thrones. And Dubrovnik in Croatia has also yep. been inundated with people. But I think you go to Ljubljana and you've got this medieval castle above the town. You've got these dragon statues. It seems what I would imagine would be very Game of Thronesy without having the Game of Thrones tourists in your face all day. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's exactly what it looks like. So before we finish up here, Rick, let's uh, talk about, um, first of all, your book. You can get that at EckhartsPress.com. Um, anywhere you can else? also get it at EveryCubEver.com. EveryCubEver.com. And uh, your podcast, you have two podcasts, actually. Talk about them. Uh, I co-host uh, a podcast called Minutia Men with my uh, co-publisher, David Stern, one-time pal. And uh, that's a show about nothing, basically. We uh, we discuss minutia uh, in the news, and we have celebrity stories, and we have celebrity guests. Uh, this week, we'll be uh, talking to Mr. Zero from uh, The Kings, which was a band that did the song. No Switch way! Switching to Glide! Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's going to be our guest uh, tomorrow. We take the show tomorrow. And uh, then my other show is called Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. This is I'm a soccer fanatic, having grown up in Germany. Um, and Adam is the uh, technical director for the uh, Illinois Youth Soccer Association. And we, we discuss the uh, Premier League, which is the best soccer league in the world right now. And Adam is from England, has an English accent, and gives us a, a, a shred of credibility. Right. And that's uh, those are my two podcasts. And you also are a prolific blogger. Uh, talk about your yeah. blogs real quick, where we can find those. So I uh, have a blog called Just One Bad Century, which is uh, about the Cubs, uh, one of my favorite things to write about. Uh, there's one called Rick Kemper at blogspot.com, uh, which is where I write just whatever I feel like writing. Uh, and that, that one is pretty popular. And I also am the media critic. For the Illinois Entertainer, uh, you can check out my column right now. I have a column uh, about Rick Kogan, the Chicago Tribune, and WGN broadcaster. That's a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, Rick Kempfer, thank you for being on Destination Eat Drink. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Destination Eat Drink. Thanks to Rick Kempfer for being on the show this week. We drop a new episode each Friday. Join me next week as we visit another great eating and drinking destination. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 